This is episode 72 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Preparing for Personal Doomsday, The Eight Most Likely Disaster Scenarios Countdown, Number 5, Nuclear Attack, and DIY Air Conditioners on the Cheap. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, I gave you some bad information. Uh, if you were listening to yesterday's podcast, I talked about the the giveaway, the mega sample, the Legacy Food Mega Sampler giveaway that I'm that I'm doing, uh, and I said that it was starting last night or this morning at at. 12 or whatever i guess it was sunday midnight or whatever i messed up uh it's been such a long time since i did a raffle copter giveaway that i didn't realize that it was uh really supposed to be uh it would go off tonight so this is this is monday night uh that i'm recording the tuesday podcast like i uh, you know like i always do uh but so monday at 12 mid- midnight 12 a.m. Uh, it will go into effect so it will be live on edthatmatters.com and it's on the post it's on the review post uh, that I did for legacy food so if you go to the main website edthatmatters.com and it's about the fourth or fifth post down you'll go ahead and uh, you can check that one out there uh, I'll link to it on episode 72 I'll, I'll be linking to it actually all week long uh, so if you hit any of the, you know, 71 through 76 uh, podcast, uh, you'll be able to uh, link to the Legacy Food uh, giveaway. And so, again, it's uh, 183 servings, 31 pounds. Uh, I mean, I'm really glad that I don't have to ship this out. Legacy Food is, is, is shipping it out for me. And uh, it has a ton of, ton of freeze-dried food. So if you're looking to improve your long-term food storage or if you've never added freeze-dried food to it uh, this is an easy way to do it you can go ahead and there's multiple ways to enter or multiple opportunities to have an entry into it uh, into the giveaway and then it'll automatically rafflecopter will automatically uh, tell me who the winner is at the end of it and I will let you know so uh, go for that, you know, uh, hope someone, someone who really needs it wins. I hope someone, uh, you know, someone who really appreciates it wins because it's, it is a good deal, uh, really, really good deal. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with today's uh, articles. This one comes to us from survivalistprepper.net, and uh, Dell and Lisa are over there. Are, uh, they have their own podcast, and uh, great podcast over there. So if you're looking for uh, another podcast, uh, preparedness podcast they do a great job they've got a g- great community over there uh, great Facebook group that you can be a part of um, so this one is specifically on preparing for personal doomsday and really um, well let me save the commentary for the for the end let's go ahead and get started on this one sometimes prepping isn't about large-scale SHTF events sometimes it's about pre- preparing for personal doomsday but even just a little prepared can help in a number of disaster scenarios big and small To the average person, prepping is about hoarding food and wearing tactical gear. To preppers, it's about much more than that. It's about living responsibly, taking care of our families, and preparing for hard times. Prepping is about separating ourselves from the chaos. That chaos could be anything from paying off our car so the bank can't repossess it, to storing food and avoiding the grocery store when all hell breaks loose. 
In this week's show, we did go over some possible personal doomsday scenarios, but we wanted to go over more about the why and how rather than the what. Life happens. Let's face it. Life happens, and it happens more often than we would like. Personally, doomsday scenarios like these shouldn't define us. What should define us is how we react and recover from them. I consider these personal challenges in life potholes, and some roads have more of them than others. Unless your car, or you, is completely immobilized, you have no choice but to move on to the next pothole or roadblock. Hopefully, along the way, you are using the time between potholes to make the next one a little bit more bearable. This is what prepping is all about, preparing for the what-if. All of this can cause you to lose interest in preparedness or lose our motivation. This is completely natural and we all go through it at one point or another. The goal should be to, the goal should be to avoid extended periods of stagnation. While we might have a little time to prepare for some disaster scenarios, some can spring on us at moment's notice. It may be easier said than done depending on the situation, but there are ways to get back into prepping. If it's the lack of money that is causing you to lose interest in preparedness, these are quite a, there are quite a few things you can do that don't cost a dime. Prepping is not all about what supplies you have. Prepping is about learning new skills and learning to survive when those supplies aren't available. When it comes to the loss of a family member or personal trauma, prepping can, for good reason, fall down your list of priorities. While it's important to take the time to grieve or work through these issues, we can afford to let prepping sit on the back sorry, we can't afford to sit let prepping sit on the back burner for too long. Alright, so I need to sorry about this, I need to uh, maximize my uh, font size here trying to trying to do it with uh, these old eyes all right um, here we go when you think about it learning to live on less is huge is a huge part of preparedness we think about how they lived a hundred years ago and strive to learn the skills they used in their daily lives as I said earlier prepping is about much more than gas masks and MREs it's about being financially and physically responsible in preparation for the hard times ahead. If you think about everything you need to become prepared or what you have already spent, the number can be staggering. When you break it down into smaller pieces, that number doesn't seem so large. If you take advantage of sales using coupons and buying in bulk, over time prepping will actually save you money. Six ways being a prepper can save you money. I didn't want this article to be all about doom and gloom, so I put a funny, I think so anyway, list together of six things that can save you money while prepping. If you can think of any, leave a comment below. 1. Most people want a shiny new car, but not preppers. We are proud to own an old, beat-up 1970 vehicle because it will be EMP-proof and no one will think twice about stealing it. Number 2. Living without modern conveniences isn't an inconvenience at all. It's an opportunity to test out our supplies and skills. Number three, we have figured out alternatives to everything. Window is broken, grab some plywood. Toilet isn't working, grab the bucket. It might not be the answer they want, but we literally have the answer to everything. <laughs> Number four, we have so much food laying around, we could grab a few things, mix them together, and have a different meal every night. Number five, God forbid we need to, but we buy so much survival crap, we could always have a garage sale or sell something on eBay if money gets tight. When you think about it this way, prepping supplies are an investment. That's what I'm telling Lisa anyway. Number six, when people call us crazy, it's a compliment. It means we are doing something right. 
This won't save you money, but I thought I'd put it in here nonetheless. In all seriousness, prepping costs a lot, but saves you money over time. Buying in bulk, looking for sales, learning how to cook, learning how to preserve food, learning to live fiscally responsible will all save you money over time. Prepping is about taking advantage of the good times and preparing for the bad, whatever that might be. Prepping is like having life insurance that benefits you while you still while you're still alive. In the show this week, we talked briefly about some possible <clears throat> personal doomsday scenarios. The reason we didn't go into a, lo- a, a lot of detail about these is because I think everyone can make a list of their top 10 and they would all be different. I wrote this article about 10 personal doomsday scenarios and here is a list of what we discussed in the show. Natural disasters. I consider natural disasters personal doomsday because of how localized they are. In episode 195, we talked about preparing for natural disasters. Job loss. Losing expected monthly income can put a real strain on you and your family. When times are tight, having a little food stored away eases the burden. Family structure. Your family structure changing can, can, cause, can be caused by a number of different things. The loss or addition to the family, divorce, a contributor moving out, or an accident can all change your priorities. Severe sickness. At one point or another in life, all of us will have to handle situations like these. Injury, disease, or disability could affect us or our family members and loved ones. Issues at home. There are many issues around the house that could cause unwanted stress. There are constantly repairs that need to be done around the home, and some are bigger than others. Unless you own your home outright, eviction and foreclosure might need to be considered as well. Unexpected expenses. This could fall into all the personal doomsday categories. Injuries at home, job loss, car accidents, and changes in the family could change our ability to pay the bills. Personal trauma. Situations like robbery, assault, or mental trauma may or may not change our physical ability to get things done, but they could affect us mentally. In order to be completely prepared, we need to pay attention to the small stuff. These small disaster scenarios will will become Bigger disaster scenarios when they affect us directly. While these personal doomsday may not be life-threatening, they can and will change how we do things in the future. So uh, I totally agree with uh, with Dale over here because um, we do prepare. You know, a lot of the times we do prepare for the big things, but it's you know when you think about what's possible and what's probable. Um, What's probable more than likely is that you're going to lose your job or someone is going to get hurt or someone, you know, rather than the big, you know, the big disaster things in SHTF that, you know, we, we're always talking about. And that's, that's, that's why we prep, you know, uh, that's why we prep is, is for uh, all, all of it. But especially these things that happen to us, you know, uh, that, you know, it's real life that is happening. And so you imagine those people that um, don't have food, you know, squared away. I mean, how many how many articles have you read and or have I read over the, the, the past years that I've done Prepper website where someone was, you know, said, hey, my husband lost actually Melissa K. Norris. I mean, we just, uh, you know, we, we just promoted her uh her her webinar you can still get that i'll link to it you can look at the free webinar and you can go check out her home canning course uh, because i think that's very valuable that's a skill to have a skill that we have lost and uh, she talked about her husband out her husband's hours were cut 
but she didn't worry so much about you know where the the money was coming or where food was going to be they the money that was coming in they could you know put it towards the bills that they had um you know they had she had plenty of food because she home canned because she had all those kinds of things already set in place and that's just the most recent one there are so many other uh you know other articles that i have read where people are like hey we had food storage and that kept us going we didn't have to worry about what we were going to eat we we had you know things that we uh we store things that we naturally eat and so it was just it was it was there and and as i got the job again i was able to replenish it blah 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 all that kind of stuff and so these personal doomsday scenarios are very, very real. And if it hasn't happened to you, I mean, just, you know, just wait. It, something will happen. And, you know, you want to be prepared for that. Uh, paying off debts, making sure that, you know, your vehicle is uh, paid off and, uh, you know, that you're not acquiring a whole lot of debt. All those things are very, very important. And so uh, when we start thinking about what we're preparing for, um, yeah, prepare for all the other things that are out there, and and maybe there was maybe the EMP thing got you, you know, really freaked out and got you into preparedness. But as you really start looking at things, you know, preparing is not a um, it's not a hobby, you know, it's a lifestyle. And when people are talking about, and Dell mentions it here, prepping can cost a lot of money. Um, if you look at it that way, you know, not too long ago, I saw someone respond to one of Michael Schneider's posts on Facebook, and uh, they were saying, "Michael, when is the, you know, when is all this going to happen? I've been, t- I've been telling all my friends to prepare. We've purchased food, and nothing has happened." And, and, you know, these people were preparing for a specific doomsday type scenario, right? And uh, there was, she, they were talking about all the money. She was talking about all the money that she had spent and all the people that she had uh, talked about that uh, or told that they should, you know, prepare to. And apparently there was, you know, other people that had spent money on this. And you should never go charge up your credit cards to, to buy food and to buy survival things and, and all that kind of stuff. Never, ever do that at all. But... When you do break it down, prepping does it, it is going to cost some money because there are some things that you are you are going to buy. Uh, I think that if you have a plan and you you have a smart plan and you stick to it, it won't cost you as much as you think. I don't you won't be out thousands and thousands of dollars on junk that you don't need. But the way that I look at it, it's not again, it's not a hobby, it's a lifestyle. It is that insurance that that Dale was talking about in here. Just like we pay for medical insurance, hopefully no one ever has to really use it. Just like we pay for home in- insurance, hopefully you never have to use that. Hopefully uh, you pay for you know auto insurance, you never want to have to use you know use that. And it's the same kind of deal. But with prepping, you can the things that you are buying is. Just just not going to waste, right? Uh, you know, you pay a year of premiums on insurance, and it's okay. It's gone. It was just a peace of mind. You you pay for food, extra food, and 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 stuff like that. Well, you know, ways to defend yourself and medical supplies. You're always going to be able to use those things, and you can use those things and replenish them. So um, it's, it's more than insurance. Uh, it is things that you can readily use. So, um, but definitely. Be looking at what is possible, you know, for you. If if uh, you know your job is starting to look shaky, you look around and and people are losing their job, or or uh, maybe the numbers, you know, the sales aren't as as they used to be. Uh, you know, there's some things you should start thinking about. Hey, what happens if I lose my job? What happens if my wife or husband gets sick? 
what happens if you know this happens over here what happens if i have a big um a, a big expense with my house like my ac goes out can i can i cover that can i take care of that so anyway there you go um go check that out uh dale has linked to a bunch of other uh links all throughout his article and then you have the podcast that you can listen to all right moving on to americanpreppersonline.com uh sarge over there has been writing some articles uh on disaster scenarios right and he's he's at number five this one's nuclear attack and what's kind of cool what he's doing uh i've done this before too i think it kind of draws people in is um he gives a little bit of an introduction then he gives a fictional account and then he gives some information, all right? So let's go ahead and read this one. Uh, again, American Preppers Online, the eight mo- most likely disaster scenario countdown, number five, nuclear attack. <clears throat> Hello, my friends, and welcome back. Today we're going to look at number five in the countdown, nuclear attack. Depending on how you see the world, you may feel this one should be lower or higher on the list. However, when I look at the national news each day, I see the world that is leaning more and more towards the use of nukes. This is the subject of today's post, so grab a cup of coffee and have a seat while we visit. It seems every time I check the international news, North Korea is threatening to nuke the U.S. for one reason or the other. Then you have the Russian bombers, which are continually prowling our coastline. There is also ISIS, who would love to get their hands on a tactical nuclear weapon to set off on American soil. Let us not forget about Iran as well and their nuclear ambitions. We need to remember the fact that they are the single largest supporter of terrorism in the world. No matter how you stack it, the threat of nuclear attack is growing greater every day. I know that there are those who say that no one would dare use nuclear weapons because they would be immediately wiped out by our nukes. Here's the trouble with that belief. It assumes that we are dealing with normal, sane individuals, while in the case of North Korea and Iran, as well as ISIS, that is clearly not the case. Oh sure, maybe China and possibly Russia may think twice, but there are a minority. One nuke, regardless, where it comes from is enough to do quite a bit of damage. Murder millions of people and plunge the world into World War III. No, we are not safe from nuclear attack at all, and you better be ready for when it happens. Here is today's scenario. So let me back up just really, really quick. Uh, we're sorry just talking about the, uh, he, he, this sentence here, right here. He says, he's, here's the trouble with that belief. It assumes that we are dealing with normal, sane individuals. So let me just talk a little bit about Islamic terrorism, uh, extremism, really quick. So we say Islamic extremism, ex- uh, Islamic terrorism. Um, when you really, even you talk to moderate uh, Muslims, right, uh, they're going to have to have the view of uh, Sharia law. You know, so if you talk to a, a Muslim here in America, whether no matter your friendship with them or not, in their heart of hearts, what they want is Sharia law. And so when you look at the two holy books, when you look at the Bible and you look at the Quran, we have a big, big difference here. When you look at uh, a, a Muslim's extreme like you they want to be the most um fanatical they want they want to do the greatest thing that they they could for their god right they are going to go into jihad they're going to go into holy war that is that's the, one of the greatest things that they can do for their faith is to die and do that in their faith when you talk about christians and you talk about what they you know what the greatest thing that they could do for their faith 
is to sacrifice you know their their uh their lives or what they would want maybe go into the missionary field maybe go into in into you know go in, in into the jungles or whatever and help you know help people that that or tell them the gospel you know preach the gospel to them that they've never known christians we have extremism as well but they're not following the book. So when you the Westboro Baptist people when they go and they and they protest and they do their things, that's not that's not Christianity there. That's totally off, right? When you have a a Christian or someone who quote unquote calls themselves a Christian and they go blow up an abortion clinic, that is not Christian at all. But in Islam, when you have those kinds of things and those kinds of things happening, that is celebrated, that is honored, that is glorified. So there, there is that idea, if you can imagine, if there was an Islamic terrorist, um, they wouldn't have this, this idea of mutual destruction, uh, you know, that, that understanding, knowing that, hey, if I set this bomb off in Washington, D.C. or in a big, uh, you know, city in, in the United States, um, that could cause them to, you know, they figure out who set that off, and that means that they'll fire off their bombs over to wherever, Iran or whatever. They don't care about that. They just know that they're going to, you know, they're doing the greatest for their for their God, and they're fulfilling, you know, their religious extremism, and they're going that way, so they wouldn't look at it that way at all. And so that's one one reason why when we're talking about this scenario right here, or we're talking about you know nuclear war or nukes being used, um, it, you, you have to consider all of it. Now, not to freak people out, not to scare people, but I mean, there is a lot of talk recently, right? A couple of years back, you would have said, hey, nuclear war is pretty much, you know, it, that's on the down low now. You know, we, we don't, that scenario is is not really, you know, playing out. And then you get all these other, you get Iran starting to come up with nuclear, uh, you know, wanting to, to come up with nuclear weapons. And you have Korea, North Korea doing it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's already kind of concerning that Pakistan has them, right? And, uh, you know, the, the issue with India going off over there. I mean, there's been actual, you know, big skirmishes. And we don't really hear about those things. But actual artillery and things going off between those two countries. And uh, we really don't hear about those things. But it is concerning that Pakistan does have uh, nuclear weapons and in, in that they have some of the extremist views uh, out there. So a lot of talk. And uh, I'm sure I could uh, probably have said all that a little bit better and formulated it a little bit better. But um, there are some 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 concerns there when it comes to um, Islamic Islamic terrorism and you know that they would there is nothing off limits you know in in their estimation whatever it could do whatever can cause the most damage whatever can cause the most grief the most fear the only thing that these guys understand is just under understand power and I mean that's 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 the fact power and uh superiority and and so anyway i know i'm i'm going off uh chasing rabbits here let's get into sarge's scenario because uh i think it's an interesting one and you can almost kind of see it right here we go just as in any any other day ships were lined up at the docks waiting to unload their cargo cargo traffic was heavy today and all u.s ports busy moving ships in and out as usual gene had decided to sleep in off this lazy Saturday morning in her house just outside New Orleans. 
Making her way to the coffee pot and pouring herself a cup, she flipped the TV on and headed out to the patio to enjoy the morning. As she watched the squirrels romp and play in her backyard, she couldn't help but think of the night before. She had visited Baton Rouge with her friends for a girl's night out. The food was great and the dancing at the bar made the night complete. Hearing a noise above her, she could see a small plane streaking across the sky. I've never seen a plane like that before, she thought. It was long and she couldn't see any wings on it. It was flying low and smoke was coming from the back of it. I wonder if it's having engine trouble, she thought. Turning back to her morning, morning coffee. Suddenly a loud explosion could be heard coming from the west. Oh my God, she screamed and jumped from her chair. Did it crash, she wondered, as she turned to look in the direction of the plane the plane had gone. As she watched in horror, she could feel the ground rumble and the sky turn a bright red and then dark. That was no ordinary plane, she thought to herself as she hurried in to see if there was anything on TV about it. Walking into the living room, she could see a red bar scrolling across the bottom of the screen. It simply said, Warning, and kept repeating it over and over. The newcaster on the screen was saying, For those of you who have just now joined us, the U.S. is under nuclear attack. A cargo ship in the Boston Harbor has just fired a nuclear missile of unknown origin that has struck Washington, D.C. There have been no reports of how many people are dead, but it's believed to be in the millions. Other cities that have been attacked by ships in nearby ports include Los Angeles, Austin, Seattle, and now Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A missile aimed at Atlanta, Georgia apparently failed to detonate. Martial law has been declared and everyone is urged to stay in their homes until further notice. Turning off the TV, Jean began to cry. Those poor people, she thought, with her hands on her face. Then a horrible thought crossed her mind. What if they hit New Orleans or the radiation reaches this far from Baton Rouge? Oh crap, what am I going to do? She thought and began pacing the floor. Let me quickly say that you find these little stories more entertaining than plain scenarios. My hope is to simply create one that will get you thinking about what you can do now rather than waiting till it's too late. If the U.S. were to be attacked with nuclear weapons, would you know what to do? Would you have the preps on hand to help starve off radiation poisoning? Radiation poisoning is a slow, painful death and one that no one ever wants to go through. So what, if the first thing, so what is the first thing that you need to do? First thing, if you believe you could possibly be exposed to radiation, is to grab a gas mask and your potassium iodide pills. Take the pills as directed. Next, Fill every container you have with water from the faucet before it becomes contaminated. Then you're going to need a roll of vinyl plastic and duct tape. If you can, now would be the time to move underground. Otherwise, carefully seal off any place where air can get into your home. There will be some places where you can't seal and that's okay because you will need a little air to breathe. Wear the mask as much as possible in the beginning to reduce contamination. Next, scrub your body as much as possible to remove any contamination on your skin. Immediately get rid of the water you used for washing. Change your clothes and throw the ones you had on outside to reduce contamination. Wear heavy clothing to reduce beta particles from penetrating them. If you think that you have been exposed to radiation, then remember that time is the single most important thing. The sooner you remove it from your body, the safer you will be. Do not eat any food products that may have been exposed outdoors until the government says it's safe. Take the time now to read up on how to protect yourself from radiation and keep potassium iodide pills in your preps for just such an emergency. Do this and you won't find yourself wondering what to do like Jean. Well, that's it for today's post and I hope you have found it interesting and educational. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and stay prepared. God bless America. Sarge.
Okay, a couple of things. Um, in in my reading, I might be wrong, but uh, I believe that potassium iodide, uh, once you get um, once you get past forty years old, I don't know if it really does any help uh, to you. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, so um, someone can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, and you can leave me some comments in the comment section of episode 72, and I will refer those uh, <clears throat> refer back to those tomorrow. But um, I'm pretty sure I, re- I, re- I remember reading that. Now I don't think it would it will hurt you to take potassium iodide. It's not going to hurt you to take that, but I don't think it's, there's going to be the, vil, the real value uh, in, in taking that when you do that. The second thing is just because you have the, these pills, it doesn't mean that you're safe from radiation. That just takes care of uh, you know, a, a certain aspect. I mean, it's just going to take care of your or protect your thyroid gland, which absorbs radiation very easily, but it's not going to be the cure-all. It's not going to protect you from, from radiation poisoning, uh, definitely. But uh, I think you should should have that. Um, you know, that, that is one of those preps. If you can afford it, you have some extra money. If you're worried about nuclear, you know, that's something that you, you can have. Uh, not too long ago, I think last week, we talked about plastic sheeting. Uh, that you know, we talked about that um, uh, that on the podcast, and that you could buy it at Home Depot, and you can buy it at different uh, different uh, widths. You know, the two mil, the six mil. That's one thing that you would want to have in a situation like this. So when he talks about grab some vinyl plastic and duct tape, that's what you would want to have that plastic sheeting for, so that you can. Uh, so that you can go ahead and uh, tie off, you know, all the the your room where where you would be at. It's a lot of things to consider here uh, when you when you do that. And I'm sure that some of you who are listening to this might have even more questions and would like a little bit more information. Sarge even refers to it uh, as hey, you might want to read up on this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link to the tag cloud on Prepper website, the nuclear. Uh, or in radiation. I'm going to actually link to both of those nuclear and radiation tag clouds on Prepper website. So uh, there's been some really, really great articles that have been put out there. To, uh, you know, people that have researched, done a lot of research and research and, and will, will help you, give you, you know, some good ideas of what you need to do and what you need to have on hand. I mean, one of the things is, you know, you're going to be, uh, if you're in a situation where you're going to uh, be hit, because I know, I know he, he says here, Austin is hit. Um, every time that I've looked at, you know, possible, possible cities, I, you know, Houston would be hit. Uh, it definitely, we have the port, we have all the oil. Um, you know, there's a lot of big businesses here. And so a lot of people believe that Houston would be hit as well, uh, more than Austin. Uh, maybe both of them, if there was multiple opportunities, but um, definitely, you know, uh, you would be locked down for a while. You would want to lock yourself down for a while, not have the AC on. In Houston, that would be a killer if something like that happened in the summertime. It would be a killer not to have the AC on, but you couldn't have it on because you wouldn't want to be bringing in air from outside. So uh, a lot to think about here. Again, I'm going to be linking to nuclear and radiation, uh, the, nu- the nuclear and radiation tags on Prepper website, and that will... That will link to every article that has ever been tagged on Prepper website with nuclear or radiation. So you'll find some really, really great articles over there. All right. Okay, so um, let's continue on. 
looking at our last one and uh, speaking of heat in Houston, uh, this one's called DIY Air Conditioners on the Cheap. And this is coming to us from SurvivalSullivan.com. Some great ways that you can do, uh, you know, make some some AC, uh, some do-it-yourself AC coolers for you. And uh, I, you might have seen some of these before. There might be some new ones here. There's a couple of videos in this article that you'll want to check out. All right, so let's go ahead and start. There are a number of challenges to living off the grid, and in a disaster situation, there's unfortunately no way to get around having to deal with them. A lot of everyday conveniences that we take for granted require electricity and gas. In such situations, simple tasks can become much more difficult. One thing that we, can commonly, that we commonly take for granted is air conditioning. For those of us in hotter areas like Arizona or Nevada, living without it is unthinkable. But if SHTF, that may be one of the first things you have to give up. The power draw on air conditioning systems can be too much to sustain privately, especially when you may have other things you need to power to survive. Luckily, there are a few options for cooling your home to solve this problem. There are a lot of ways to make very low power air conditioning units by yourself. Some of them run on rechargeable batteries, while some even run directly on solar power. Here are a few DIY air conditioners that will keep you cool even without a lot of power usage. Styrofoam Ice Chest Air Conditioner Battery Powered This air conditioner unit is super easy to assemble and get the parts for it. Get the parts for it. In fact, you do not need anything more than the following. A styrofoam ice chest, ice or frozen bottles of water to fill the chest, a knife, a piece of dryer tubing, a battery powered fan with a diameter smaller than the lid of the cooler, and batteries for the fan. So long as you have some supply of batteries, preferably rechargeable on hand, even in a disaster situation, this is a great option for cooling small areas of your home. When, you, when we say fan, we mean just a regular old blade fan in, encased in wire. Again, it needs to be small enough to fit comfortably within the rectangular shaped lid of the cooler. The amount of cooling this provides will depend mostly on the width of the tube and the size of the cooler. A large cooler will blow cold air for longer because you can use more, more ice or fro frozen bottles of water, which will take longer to melt. Using the frozen bottles of water means you can refreeze them later to use again. The wider the tube, more air can blow out of it. The setup for this cooler is pretty predictable. First, you fill the cooler with ice or frozen bottles of water, but not so much that, it totally, that it's totally full. You will want a little bit of space between the lid of the cooler and the ice when you close the lid. We will explain why later. Next, cut a hole the size of the dryer tube in the lid of the cooler off to one side. Next, cut a hole the size of the dryer tube in the lid of the cooler off to one side. Next, cut a hole only slightly smaller than the diameter of the battery powered fan close to the center of the lid. The fan will be resting atop this hole, so it should not be so big that the fan falls inside the cooler. The fan should be stationary too. Oscillating fans would not work for this project. Insert the dryer tube in, into its hole and turn it on and rest the fan on top of the hole that you cut for it. Ideally, the fan will be small enough that it doesn't rest over the side of the cooler. You want as much of the fan blowing into the cooler as possible. What happens is the ice cools the air in the cooler and the fan circulates it out of the cooler through the dryer tube. You need enough space for air in the cooler so that it can actually become colder so you don't want to overfill it with ice. These can cool 
a small to medium sized room depending on the size of the dryer tube. The cool air will last as long as the ice and fan battery does. Bucket air conditioner battery powered. This air conditioner is a very, is very similar concept to the styrofoam cooler air conditioner except that it operates in a bucket and can provide cool air for much longer. For this you'll need in any old 5 gallon bucket, styrofoam, a strip thin enough to line the bucket completely, a battery powered fan smaller in diameter than the lid of the bucket, PVC pipe about a foot, a knife, a 2 gallon jug of water, and a hole saw. First, cut three holes the width of your PVC pipe on the side of the bucket with the hole saw. Line the bucket with the styrofoam and recut the holes in the same position. Leave the styrofoam lining the bucket. Next, cut a hole in the top of the bucket about the diameter of the fan but not so large that the fan falls into the bucket. You should be able to secure the fan in the, ho in the hole without movement. Your next step is to cut the PVC pipe into three equal pieces and fit the pieces into the three holes that you cut. The final step is to just freeze your jug of water and then place it in the bucket. All you have to do is secure the lid of the bucket and turn on the fan. The air conditioner will last as long as the water in the jug is frozen and as long as the battery in the fan lasts. Much like the previous suggestion, this air conditioner works by circulating the cool air around the frozen water jug. Unlike the previous air conditioner, this one works for around 6 hours. It can last longer if you can achieve a better seal around the PVC pipe and the fan. A DIY Swamp Cooler Aside from these, however, there are many other tutorials on building more complicated low-power swamp coolers. Below is one such air conditioner. So, um, Survival Sullivan has, uh, has embedded a, a video uh, and um, in this video, I mean, it's, it's a swamp cooler, easy to make swamp cooler. Uh, and the guy who's doing this, I can't remember his name. Let me see if I can get to it really quick without it. Uh, I just want to give you the guy's name. Yeah, it's Desert Sun 2 He does a lot of videos, so it's Desert Sun 2 YouTube channel. And definitely you can go watch the video at Survival Sullivan and then link to it. Click on the, the title of the the title of the video and it'll take you to his YouTube page but anyway um, he does a lot of solar powered and different kind of like cooling systems so if you wanted to go peruse his his uh, YouTube channel you would find a lot of cool stuff I mean he's done a lot of like experimentation um, he does things and you know he's actually you know using a temperature gauge and like yeah hey this is really cooling uh, I really feel the AC cooling and uh, so swamp cooler will work hey my dad has created uh one of the um, the styrofoam bucket uh, acs because you know i've told you before that we're uh you know his place up in the country is off grid and so uh, he did make one of those and he said it worked really really well the only problem is that the styrofoam is very uh when you cut the hole for the fan at the top it just it's it, it's not strong enough to hold everything and so a little bit of movement and if you're not super careful with it uh the, the lid will break uh but he said while it was uh working uh it did work the the one evening it worked really really well and so uh i think that a, a better option might be if you find like an old igloo or an old ice chest that someone is giving away or maybe a craigslist or even if you are uh, let's say someone puts it out for trash and maybe they've, I don't know, the hinges have come off or what, whatever, you know, uh, they just don't want it anymore. Uh, I think maybe using that 
instead of these styrofoam coolers would really work. And then you can make it a little bit bigger. Um, one of the things, you know, if you've ever listened to Stephen Harris on Survival Podcast, uh, one of the things he talked about is using jugs frozen with ice, but putting a little bit of water in there as well. Uh, we have done that when we go up to the country, and uh, it does seem to make the ice or the ice in the jug stay a little bit cooler. So if you have those, not necessarily uh, like milk jugs, but uh, maybe something like you know the the plastic bottles that apple juice comes in, they're a little bit more rectangular. Uh, hopefully you can you understand what I'm saying, but a little bit more rectangular, and so they're easier to lay down flat uh, on the bottom of an ice chest. And so we we have a bunch of those, and we've used those and put a little bit of water at the bottom of the ice chest, and it just really does wonders with with keeping it even colder. So doing something like that, because um, I know when we've gone up there to the country, that has I've had ice jugs have stayed. Or those ice, uh, those plastic ice jugs have stayed cold for two days in the ice chest. So you might be able to use that a lot, lot longer. The problem with what we're talking about here and having these off grid is that if you're off grid and you run out of ice, you're you're done, right? Uh, you all you can always uh, use solar powered batteries to you know you can always recharge those or whatever, uh, or you can always use rechargeable batteries that you can use, you know, solar power to, to recharge them. But if you're done with ice, I mean, if you don't have ice, you're done. Now, the swamp cooler that uh, in the video here, uh, you can use that because all you need is water. So if once you create it, uh, once you do it once, then you have, and if you have water, and then you have batteries that you can recharge, you know, with solar or whatever, then you can always have the swamp cooler. And swamp coolers do work. I mean, it's not going to be like your essential AC, but it's, it is going to, to work. Um, actually, as I'm looking now at uh, this video, and you know how they have preview videos below the video uh, or on the video, uh, Desert Sun has made. Uh, one of these uh, AC, you know, the styrofoam type coolers with a regular igloo. Uh, you know, I actually want to go see that one. I'm going to go take a look at that one a little bit later on. Uh, so he has used it with uh, with a cooler. And so maybe he experienced some of the same things that I was talking about. The styrofoam, which is so easy to break. So, um, all right. So let me go ahead and continue on because there's one more here that might be interesting to you. Um, a little bit more on the swamp cooler. Most of these swamp coolers require significantly more equipment and, and explanation. However, it's fairly easy to find solar-powered versions and even battery-powered versions. If you're looking for a cooler that might hold out a bit better over time, these sorts of air conditioners might work better for you. If you need something that is absolutely zero power, then one such method that has recently been made popular was created by Ashish Paul, an inv inventor from Bangladesh. This cooler requires no power whatsoever and uses parts that are easily accessible for most people. It is based on the idea that moving air reduces the temperature. All you have to do is install it in a window and enjoy the breeze. The, f the first thing to note about the Eco Cooler is that it is more a fan than a true air conditioner, despite what the video says. It makes your home feel cooler by increasing the velocity of the air passing through it like a fan. However, unlike regular house fans, the EcoCooler uses no electricity whatsoever. The EcoCooler is extremely simple and requires very minimal materials, in fact only two. The first material you will need is a board cut to the size of one of your windows. 
Before starting this project, you should choose a window that gets the best wind flow during the hotter seasons. Your board should be, able, should, should be about 2 millimeters thick and made of a sturdy material. After all, this is going in the window of your house, so anything that can stand up to a little rain in the summer probably will not work very well. One type of material that works really well is white foam board. Part of the reason this feels cooler in the summer is simply the fact that the white board insulates the home, so the ambient air temperature in your home won't be as hot as without it. The next step is to collect plastic bottles of about the same size. Supposedly, the larger the difference between the circumference of the bottleneck and the body of the bottle is better, so 2 liter soda bottles will work well. Next, cut the base of the bottles off so that you have homemade plastic funnels. Cut holes in the white foam board to the size of the rim of the bottle, then push the bottles through the foam board at evenly spaced intervals. When you're finished, the body of the bottle should be close enough to touch each other, and the entire board should have bottles sticking out of it. See the video above for reference. Next, cut the top part of the caps off, but not so much that they can, go, that they can no longer screw on. The point is to make an opening about as large as the opening of the bottle. Screw the caps on to secure them to the board. This might work better doing them one by one instead of screwing on all the caps at once so you don't mix up caps. Finally, install the board with the body of the bottles on the outside of the house. The wind passing through the bottles will be compressed through the bottleneck, which heats the air slightly. And then as it expands into the home, it will cool. A demonstration of this effect can be done with your mouth. First, blow air out of your mouth with your mouth wide open. Hold your hand in front of your mouth to feel the temperature. At the same rate, blow air out with your lips pursed. In this scenario, as in the case with the eco-cooler, your mouth is acting as a throttle for the air passing through it. The increased velocity of the air makes it feel cooler on your skin as it passes by. It's better if the board is installed on a side of the home that has more shade and better wind flow. Currently, there's a lot of debate about this actual effect of the system. While it may not do the job of your expensive HVAC system, it certainly will feel better when it's hot outside. The video claims a 5 degrees Celsius difference in temperature, though this may be an exaggeration. Part of why this works so well in India is because many of the homes are made from corrugated tin, which means that on summer days the inside of the home is hotter than the outside, much like leaving your car in the sun. Circulating outside air through the home has a much more pronounced effect in these types of homes because the temperature difference is so drastic. If your home is not made of corrugated tin, which it likely isn't, you will probably not notice as great an effect with the eco-cooler. At the very least, however, the eco-cooler provides a no-cost fan for hot days that will amplify even a slightly breeze because of the design. In disaster situations, this may be a great option for cooling the home, especially since the materials are easy to come by. While air conditioning may seem like a luxury considering how much energy it uses, there are plenty of low-power options for disaster situations or even for those who want to save a little money on air conditioning. With our options, the most power you'll need is enough to freeze ice and a few batteries. Otherwise, there are plenty of tutorials for building air conditioning using solar power. There's no need to worry about extreme heat with these DIY options. You can use no power, batteries, or even the sun. 
I think there is cause to be concerned if there ever was a true grid-down situation where there was no electricity, because there would be a lot of places that there would be the heat would be just so unbearable. Um, I know here in Houston, uh, the homes just aren't. You know, one of the one of the jokes that I've made before in the past was, why in the world did the Allen brothers, who supposedly founded Houston, why did they come and settle here out of all the places to settle? You know, what was it about Houston? Because they didn't have AC. It was hot. It was, cr- you know, it's just crazy. There's a lot cooler places you could have gone up north. And um, so the situation, you know, remains. If we were ever in a grid down situation, what would that uh, feel like, you know, heat wise? Our homes are not created nowadays to uh, to withstand something like that. I mean, we our homes are made for uh, central AC, you know, having a central uh, AC unit. So, uh, you know, that's something to, to think about. You know, our bodies are not conditioned to be out in the heat all the time nowadays, at least, you know, most of us uh, there. And those, you know, people like cities, you know, Las Vegas that set up in the desert and uh, have water coming to them and a lot, use a lot of electricity. I mean, if there was ever a grid down situation, those people would have to really think about moving really quickly. Like, you know, where am I going to move? I got to move up north or I got to come down south a little bit. But to get to uh, cooler weather, because I don't know if uh, if you would be able to just do it. You'd be able to survive. It'd be just so hot, so hot. So anyway, uh, good good article here at Survival Sullivan. Things to think about. You might want to go check out that eco cooler. Um, if you you know you have a place where there is a little bit of wind, you might want to make one of those and just have it as a. Uh, you know, uh, set up, you know, and just uh, if you ever need it, you could put it in there and, and who knows if it's possible to use, uh, you know, uh, it'd be good to have. So uh, one of those projects to do, right, a DIY project, but a lot of links and definitely go check out that swamp cooler. And there's a lot of other um, a lot of other videos you can link to there and check out a lot of good stuff there. I hey, don't forget that um, that legacy food uh, giveaway is starting up, and I really want you to be a part of that. So go over the go over to Ed that matters. I'm going to be linking to that, uh, linking to a couple of other things in episode uh, 72 in the show notes. So you definitely want to go uh, check all that out. All right. So uh, again, thanks so much for being a part of the Prepper Website Podcast. If you want to look, if you want to look for and find and read some more great preparedness information or articles, come over to PrepperWebsite.com. And uh, again, if you share out our stuff, we really, really appreciate that. And come by the Facebook, the new Facebook page. We'd love for you to be a part of that. You know, we're, we're trying to share out things. I'm trying to share out things there that I wouldn't normally share out in you know, other places. And uh, you know, some good things there. So anyway, that's it uh, for today. Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace. <laughs>